Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twisted Talks. I'm Tanya. I'm Josh. And today it is Josh's turn to tell yes. us a horrible story. Yes, it is actually quite horrible to say the least. I do believe I am... F- I'm fairly familiar with this case. I know I've definitely... I've definitely heard of it. I know when you said it to me I was able to remember the names and things. I don't remember specifics. But... I'm interested to see the specifics. What, the specifics. <laughs> what I do remember and if there's anything that will be new to me, so let's go. Take it away. So this week I'm covering the abduction of Stephen Stainer. But that's not the only case that involves a member of the Stainer family. Now I'm not going to give anything else away, but the next episode I do will also be about a member of the Stainer family. Uh, I'm sure some of you true crime enthusiasts that listen already know what the other case is. Now, I'm not sure yet how long the other case will be, so it'll either be a full episode or a shorter bonus episode that'll come out the same day as this episode. If it's a shorter episode, because if not, it'll be waiting and it'll be a Next normal week. Monday episode. But if it, like I said, if it's shorter, it'll come up the same day as this, so keep an eye out. But I'll put it on the social post, um, whether it'll be a bonus or not. So yeah, anyway... So before I get into this week's episode, trigger warnings for molestation and child rape. Now, I have not gone into much detail in terms of any of that throughout the case, but do be prepared that they are mentioned at least briefly. Um, So, yeah, and I'm sure there are trigger warnings for other things as well, um, but just that's the worst of it. I'm just distracted by the amount of dog hair that's in the back of my car. Well, snap back into reality. Well, the reality that doesn't include dog hair, because that's real as well. (laughs) It's just Um, a hallucination. So, Stephen Stainer was born on the 18th of April 1965 in Merced, (gasps) California, to parents Delbert and Kay Stainer. Delbert? Yeah, I know. Now, a lot of times he was called Delbert. I've used his full name throughout the case, as far as I can recall. Um, now Stephen was the third child to be born to the couple out of five children his older brother Carey an older sister excuse me and two sisters that were obviously born after him now there's not really much about childhood and stuff like that because obviously this kind of kicks off when he was seven Mm -hmm. so at only seven years old on Monday the 4th of December 1972 Stephen was kidnapped by Kenneth Parnell with the help of a friend. Now, Parnell had already been convicted in the past for molesting an eight-year-old boy in Bakersfield, California in 1952 and for impersonating a police officer. However, Parnell only served three years behind bars for that offence. Three. Wow. That's ridiculous. Anyway. Wow, such justice. Such justice, yeah. Three years for molesting an eight-year-old boy. But anyway... Um, at some point after his release, after his release, he managed to find work at Yosemite National Park Resort, where he convinced Irvin Edward Murphy, a co-worker, that he was an aspiring minister. Such religion. It's such religion. Um, such wow. Then when it came to 1972, Parnell managed to recruit Murphy to help him in the kidnapping of a young boy. I'm sorry. I was... I was... Now... I said, I don't understand how someone can be convinced to help kidnap a child. Like, what did Parnell say to convince or manipulate Murphy? Now, some sources do say that Murphy was simple-minded and naive, so it's always possible that he was, like I said, if he was a bit simple-minded or, you know, maybe there was an undiagnosed condition there, and it's always possible that Parnell took advantage of Murphy not being so bright. Yes, As does happen in a lot. It wouldn't be the first case. In a lot of Criminal Minds episodes. Yeah, or even in actual cases. 
dominant and the submissive. Exactly. And not in the bedroom. No, not in the kinky way. Um, now, Parnell had made out that he wanted to find a boy to be his son and raise him in a religious way. So I suppose I'm sorry. Parnell was making it out that he just he wanted a child and he wanted if to bring them up. If you a, came whatever. to me and you said to me, Tanya, I want to have a child. I want to be a father. Will you please help me kidnap a young child? Immediately jail. Yeah, but I suppose you have to remember you're clearly not in the same simple mind yeah, frame as this person. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, there's times. There's times. Where so there you go, you heard it here first. There's times where Tanya's tempted to help someone kidnap a small child. No, there's times where I'm a bit simple. <laughs> Let's just look at some of the decisions I've made over the last few weeks. No comment. Um, so, oh yeah. So then on the 4th of December, 1972, Stephen was walking home from school when he, be- he came across Murphy. Murphy went up to Stephen and gave him religious brochures that had cartoon so stories tragic. on them. Quoting things from the Bible. So like, I suppose like how you'd see little cartoons in a newspaper, but they were religious. Sorry, that's just reminding me. There was this one day I was outside AIB, right? And um, I was, you know, going about my day, getting cash out. And there was like a mom walking down the street with her two kids or whatever. And this guy went over and like gave her religious pamphlets for the kids. And I was kind of smiling because like, you know, she seemed happy to take them or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute, whatever. Shouldn't have smiled, cause made a b he made a beeline for me. Yeah. Right, made a beeline for me. I am a staunch atheist. I was raised Catholic, but I'm a staunch atheist. Well, I wouldn't call you an atheist. No, you're yeah, spiritual, I do believe in higher power. Yeah, there, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not a staunch atheist. I lied. Um, Fucking is, full is of it, shit, Tanya. Is it agnostic? Is that where you don't believe? Agnostic in is where you don't believe in a specific religion, I believe, but you believe that there's something better, like above or something. But I, I still don't even call okay. myself I'm agnostic. Spiritual. That's, I'm spiritual. I just call right? myself spiritual so, or spiritualist. Anyway, moral of the story. So he came up to me. He tried giving me the pamphlet, and I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know. What did I say to him? I think I straight out said to him, I was like, oh, I'm not religious. I don't believe in God. And he was like, did a big motion with his hands to indicate the sky. To like tell me, look up at the sky, and like, how can you not believe in God when you have yeah, all like of this? I'd, you you should have like, just smiled and been like, oh, that's interesting. I'll read that. Thank you. I should have, yeah. yeah. Should have, should have just fucking gone. Because with if it. you say you don't believe, they have to convince. But um, I was like, I was like, no, no, I believe. I was like, I believe in the power of the universe and whatever. I was like, I believe that we're all here because of the universe. Um, I just turn around and be like, hail Satan and watch him run. Well, no, I wouldn't have. Um, but but yeah, just like spent a good few minutes trying to convince me, and then eventually I was like, yeah, I've got to go. Goodbye. I also had um, Jehovah's Witnesses put a letter in my door a couple of months ago. We got letters, but I don't know where they're from. Jehovah's Witnesses. I they can't were remember from, who they were from, from. Mine was from a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, but anyway, that's story that's... time. Not really relevant to anything. No. <laughs> Sorry, it's the ADHD. Um. Where was I? Oh, so, okay, yeah, so there were cartoon stories on them quoting the Bible. Um, Murphy told Stephen that he was from a church and that he was trying to get donations. He asked Stephen if his mother might donate something to the cause, or to the church, I suppose, if it seems mm. that's what he was pretending to be from, and asked Stephen where he lived. Um, Stephen told him that he lived around the corner and about three blocks away. Um, so Murphy asked if they could go to speak to his mother, and Stephen said yes, as he was sure that his mother would be happy to donate yeah. to, to a church. She's a sweet little kid. Um... So, what? Huh? He was just a sweet oh, little yeah. Um, So, yeah, he was assuming, yeah, that his man probably would donate. So, that's when Murphy asked Stephen to take them to his house. Take so, Stephen's first impression was that Murphy was a nice man and he didn't realise until later that Murphy wasn't very bright. 
and that's the way it was wrote in the resource that's quoting um so was, oh what's that quote oh from cinderella story you're not oh, very pretty and you're, and not, you're not, not very bright. bright yeah i'm so glad we had this, this talk. talk you want a cookie jennifer coolidge is jennifer the best coolidge. um so yeah then a white car came around the corner and pulled up beside stephen and murphy Murphy opened the back door of the car for Stephen, who got in, and then Murphy got in the front passenger seat and introduced Parnell to Stephen. Both men used their real names. They drove past Stephen Street, and obviously Stephen told them they had passed it, and Parnell told him that they were going to their place first and would check with Stephen's mother if he could stay the night by calling her. Okay. Standard, apparently. Uh, Stephen suggested, obviously, just turning back and asking in person, but Parnell said they had things to do back home, so they would call her from there. Then they went on to high, onto the highway, Highway 140, to Cathy's Valley. Now, it's reported by some sources that they stopped at a payphone on Highway 140 where Parnell pretended to call Stephen's parents and then told Stephen that his parents didn't want him back. Lovely. Charming. Now, you know, like, it's 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 in all sources it said that he claimed to phone and that the parents didn't want him back, but whether it was stopped at a payphone on the highway or whether it was back at the house... But from the story of By the way, the, the way events made. go, it does seem like the most likely place was the highway mm. phone stop. Um, so Murphy later said, on the way out of Merced, I figured that there was something wrong with Parnell taking Stephen along. But then I said to myself, the kid ain't doing nothing. I knowed there was something wrong. But after we left Merced, I never heard him cry either. Even when we got him there, he never cried. So they brought Stephen to a cabin in Catty's Valley, which is roughly a 30 minute drive away from Merced. And then by about 4 pm that day, uh, Stephen's parents, Kay and Delbert, had searched their neighborhood multiple times, mm -hmm. obviously, and checked with Stephen's friends, you know, as they were going about their search. Um, to, and if Stephen had gone straight to a friend's house after school without permission from his parents, it wouldn't have been the first time. He kind of got in trouble for doing that yeah. before. Um, I suppose kids going to do what they're going to do. If they yeah, like you know, if, it does happen. If you think your mom or your dad is going to say no to you going you to your friend's go. house, you're just going to go. Better yeah. to ask for forgiveness than permission. Or even you're just too excited, and even if you think they'll say yes, you just forget to ask and you just go. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, with there being no sign of their son and becoming more worried for their son's safety, they started to drive in circles around their home and, and around the school area and, you know, expanding the area they would cover each time. So doing bigger circles oh, each time over and over um, st okay so starting to obviously get frantic and worn out from searching and not getting anywhere so it was not long before 5pm when they did return home and they obviously called the Merced Police Department um, about 15 minutes later Officer Michael Hyde arrived at the family's home where Kay and Delbert told him everything he needed to know do you know I assume about how much searching they'd already mm -hmm. done and how they'd not gotten you know not gotten anywhere they didn't find anything they yeah. got no leads I suppose um, then Officer Hyde obviously radioed uh, his dispatcher to report a missing juvenile um, or juvenile giving a description of Stephen and what he was last seen wearing. So, obviously, after calling that into the dispatcher, um, Officer Hyde then left to search the next neighbourhood, the school playground area and Yosemite Parkway and everywhere in between. Um, so, Yosemite Parkway, I believe, is the kind of 
neighbourhood basically mm-hmm. that they lived in. Yep. Um, when Officer Hyde returned to the Stainer home, um, Stephen's mother Kay had gotten a full list of Stephen's classmates and their phone numbers. Obviously, I'm assuming parents' phone yep. numbers, given that when it was. There would have been, um, been phones, but not like cell phones, yeah. phones. Um, and like even if they did, the kids wouldn't have them. Mm. Do you know? Um, so she'd gotten them from Stephen's teacher. Um, she'd called all of them and still had no leads or information as to where her son could be. Obviously, no one had seen him. Do you know? Obviously, we know where he is, but they don't. Didn't. Well, we didn't know then either. But yeah, but you know, I wasn't alive. Yeah. Was I? No. What year is it again? No. It was like. 1972, I believe. Oh, God. My dad was two years old. So there. My mother wasn't born. Neither um, was mine. 108. What month is it? December. Yeah, my mum would have been... Three months old. Just a baby. But, um... Just a baby. So, yeah. Obviously, I've already said about the kidnapping part. So, we know where he was at this stage in time. But, obviously, nobody else did it. At all, somehow. Nobody spotted anything so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, still no leads information. As it obviously began to get dark, because remember, it's December, it's getting darker earlier. Yep. Um, Patrol Sergeant Jim Sutherland arrived to assist Officer Hyde in like the retracing of Stephen's possible routes home, um, before then going door-to-door to, um, to the businesses along Yosemite Parkway. Mm-hmm. Um, an employee at a service station told him that she had seen Stephen walking eastbound at some time before 3pm, which was his normal way of going home. Um, but the employee said that they did not notice anyone suspicious in the area at the time. Um, so, you know, they know he was around that area, that he was heading home, but yeah. obviously they know he didn't get home. But this, um, I think it was a woman that was working, she didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Mm. Um, at 6pm, reserve police officers and local Boy Scouts were called to help search an area, including any construction sites along Yosemite Parkway. Um, it was December, so as I said, dark, wet, um, and any children that may have been out earlier were kind of all inside and there was still no sign of Stephen. Um, so, as the search was taking place, a local radio station began to broadcast the news of Stephen's disappearance and his description, and that was the first public announcement in regards to the disappearance. Oh, yeah, because this would have been before Amber Alerts, wouldn't it? Um, I believe so, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the first kind of time anyone in the, I suppose, locality would have heard it anywhere other than, you know, maybe... Word of mouth. Word of mouth and things like that. So I suppose a lot more people would have been aware of it now that it was on the radio. Um, so Mac, a close friend of Delbert Stainer, actually phoned, called in to invite Delbert and Kay to a Christmas dance that weekend. They hadn't heard the news. Mm. And once Delbert told them, obviously Mac and his wife Sandy went straight over to the Stainer home. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Mac and Sandy arrived, Sandy offered to take the rest of the Stainer children to her home, well, to their home, to Mac yeah. and Sandy's home for the night. And that offer was accepted. Um so that's where they were spending the night. Yeah, I suppose it's good. For, it was good to get the rest of the kids out of the house, and as while well, everything's it hectic, gives the parents more time to focus on Stephen because obviously they're not going. They're not. They're not going to neglect their other kids, but they are going to be severely preoccupied because one trying of their to kids get one is back. missing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Delbert and Mac went out searching a junkyard on Highway One Forty, the same highway that Parnell Murphy and Stephen were on earlier to get to Cathy's Valley. 
Um, so obviously while all the chaos and frantic searching was taking place in Merced, only 30 minutes away in Catty's Valley, Parnell, Murphy and Stephen were sitting down to have their dinner. Now, when Parnell, Murphy and Stephen had first got to the cabin, Parnell made Murphy wait outside when he brought Stephen inside. Uh, Parnell showed Stephen a pile of second-hand toys that had been bought by Murphy at a flea market because Parnell had instructed Murphy to get them, Mm -hmm. obviously, in advance, I suppose, because they were already there. Um, Initially, Stephen, you know, was asking if he could take this toy for his brother and this one for his sister and, you know, maybe this one for himself. But obviously this made Parnell angry because Parnell had no intentions of him going back to his family. Um, And he told Stephen that he was only allowed to choose toys for himself. And obviously Stephen only being seven, then quietened down and, you know, happily picked out four toys and played with them. Mm. uh, Because Parnell had set a limit of four toys. Whatever the reasoning for that is. But anyway, whatever the reason for any of this is. I suppose it's one of those control things. Yeah. Stephen being only seven obviously didn't realise, like, what was happening, that this was actually a sinister situation, Mm -hmm. you know. Um... So Parnell went outside to where he had left Murphy and warned Murphy that if he said anything about it that he'd be in just as much trouble and would get the same penalty. Um, Parnell told Murphy that he was sorry for getting him involved but made sure to remind him that he agreed to it and if he told anybody he'd lose, ev- he'd lose everything he has. So... Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you know, as I like, put Like, I'm here, not threatening you but I'm threatening yeah, you. Yeah, like intimidation. Yeah. After warning and intimidating Murphy, Parnell then brought Murphy inside as well. Now, back inside, Stephen was still playing with the toys and Parnell got down beside him and, you know, began questioning him about his parents, his siblings, his family life, you know, what he liked and what he didn't like, mm. that kind of thing. Um, that first evening, um, Parnell asked Stephen what kind of food he liked and what he didn't like. And Stephen told him that, you know, he eats anything really. Yeah. That obviously, that he's not fussy. So Parnell sent Murphy to the shop for ground beef, canned green beans, ew, and bread. Yum. I hate canned... Well, I don't hate canned beans, but canned green beans, the sound of it just gives me an ick. It reminds yeah. me of mushy peas, and I hate mushy peas. Yeah, it's just... It gives me slime vibes. Yeah. Prison food. Yeah. Well, I suppose he was getting ready. Um, Stephen was surprised when the meal was dished up, as even though he said he'd eat anything, he hated green beans. Oh, for God's sake. And obviously Stephen didn't mention his hatred of the green beans and just avoided eating them, mm. um, you know, working away with everything else first. But then Parnell threatened to spank him if he didn't eat them. So, yeah. Um, it's giving, I am your mother, you listen to me. Except he's not your mother. Yeah. <laughs> he just thinks he is. He's just a control freak. Well, no, I don't believe for a second. I think a bird. I think so. Yeah, car. that must have um, been what that was. I don't think for. I don't believe for a second that he genuinely wanted to kidnap a child to have a child as his son, like as his child. Oh yeah. He definitely had some disgusting uh, well, we'll motives. We'll get there. Yeah. But yeah, it's no, no bueno. So. Very that. Very that. Um, once dinner, um, you know, had been finished, Parnell mm-hmm. told Stephen to take a shower. And when Stephen came out afterward in just a towel, seven-year-old Stephen, Parnell had him remove the towel and get into bed with him naked. Oh. Yeah. Now, there was only one bed in the cabin, so Murphy, who honestly seems to be basically Parnell's slave at this point, mm. had to sleep on a folding aluminium chase lounge. Much comfort. Much comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. But, um, 
Now, obviously, December, very cold. Mm -hmm. And the only heat was from the tiny gas cook stove, which Murphy had to get up and turn on and off numerous times throughout the night so that, as Murphy put it, we wouldn't all be dead in the morning. Yeah, so... And I suppose a stove like that, you can't keep on all night because you could be dead from gas. Yeah. But you can't leave it off all night because you'd be dead from the cold. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether it was really cold enough that the cold could have killed them. But they definitely would have been uncomfortable. But definitely would not have been good. So it wouldn't have been worth risking. Um... So Murphy recalled that night saying that he only heard sound from Parnell or Stephen once. He said it was early in the morning hours and he heard Stephen say, you're wrong. Um, now, this is where one of the trigger warnings comes in. Okay. Stephen vaguely recalled years later that this was when Parnell orally copulated with him for the first time of Manny. Yuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Back in Merced, the police department had canvassed the south side of town but had not found any clues or leads in Stephen's disappearance. Despite the massive search efforts for Stephen, they would never find him. During the first week that Stephen was at Parnell, he repeatedly told Parnell that he wanted to go home. However, Parnell told him that he'd been granted legal custody of him by his parents. Because his parents didn't want want him. him, supposedly, yeah. Parnell convinced seven-year-old Stephen that his parents could not afford to have so many children, so that they didn't want Stephen back. Um, and as we know, Parnell had molested Stephen from the very first night. Um, but 13 days later, after abducting Stephen on the 17th of December 1972, Parnell began raping him. Mm. This poor boy. Yeah. It's really bad, like. So, Parnell made a new identity for Stephen, giving him a new name, Dennis Gregory Parnell, keeping his original middle name and his original date of birth. Stephen was not kept in, t- in captivity, and in the years following, he was actually enrolled into a number of schools under the new name, Dennis. Oh my god, I forgot he was, it was years. Yeah, where Parnell presented himself as his father. Mm. Now, Parnell often went from one place to another for work, and often took Stephen with him, but later he would sometimes leave Stephen alone and unsupervised. Do you know, Stephen could not take advantage of these opportunities, he didn't know how to get help, and mm-hmm. by now he probably believed what Parnell had told him about yeah. legal custody and his parents not wanting him. Yeah. Um, so Stephen's upbringing during his time at Parnell was, okay, obviously I say relaxed in the sense of if it was to be a parent raising a child, not Mm -hmm. a predator. Yeah. Like as in a relaxed upbringing in the sense of rules and restrictions and stuff like that. Obviously it was not relaxed when you're getting molested and raped. Mm -hmm. Just to make that fucking clear. Uh, Parnell allowed him to roam freely when, wherever he wanted to go and also allowed him to start drinking at a very early age. Of course. Yeah. Parnell had started to see a woman, Barbara Barbara Matthias, and he was seeing her for around a year and a half, and it's reported that during this time, the couple forced now 11-year-old Stephen into sexual activities at least nine times. Oh, God, so he went and found a woman as fucked up as he was. Yeah. Um, So Barbara Matthias also helped Parnell try to abduct another boy who was in the Santa Rosa boy clubs with Stephen. Boys club, sorry, with Stephen, but the attempt was unsuccessful. Thank God for that child. Mm Mm-hmm. A few years later, now that Stephen was older and beginning puberty, Parnell began to search for a younger victim again. Stephen was too old for him now. Yes. So, I do recall this bit. Yeah. Using Stephen and a classmate, Randall, as his pawns, uh, Parnell successfully abducted another boy, Timothy White, on the 14th, the 14th of February 1980 from Yukia in Mendocino County. This victim was only five years old. So he went younger again. Younger again. 
Now, realising how Timothy would suffer at the hand of Parnell, and I think as well it was said that obviously the boy was only five, so like he was obviously complaining and crying and you know mm-hmm. out, emotionally outcrying a lot about wanting to go home or wanting his parents. So obviously that also played on Stephen. Yeah, actually, sorry, I do. There is um, a Criminal Minds episode based on this, isn't there? I think it's. I think it was Criminal Minds. It was some crime. Potentially, show. there definitely is an episode of Criminal Minds. Well, I don't want to say what it's about because I haven't got to that yet. But yeah. That's of a similar storyline. Yeah. Um. But um. So Stephen obviously decided between the boy's emotional outcries and knowing how much he'd suffer at the hands of Parnell, I suppose from experience, mm-hmm. that he had to get Timothy out of Parnell's captivity. Oh, I am sweating. Yeah, it's very warm. But um. Yeah. So then, yeah. Obviously, Stephen had never defied Parnell. Even though you know Parnell had given him free roam, mm. so because I he, suppose he, if, as you said earlier, believed what Parnell was telling him, and and like he was he what was he was eleven. No, not at this point. Not at the point of kidnapping the, Timothy. Yeah, like at the point of seven. Um, nineteen eighty. I had it wrote so, down. Hang on now. So he got. He was seven in nineteen seventy-two. So let me do the math. So nineteen eighty was when he tried to do that. But basically, he was he was fourteen when when fifteen fourteen fifteen yeah he was and yeah was he was fourteen was when um, when so, Timothy was kidnapped and when he's been so when he decided indoctrinated he needed, I suppose it's like for, a cultish for thing. eight years he's been told seven your seven years sorry his parents didn't want him his parents couldn't afford to keep and him and to be fair after the first had legal however many him. months or year or a couple of years of being told that you probably stop asking and stop wondering because it's already in there. Yeah, exactly. It's like subliminal messaging. It's yeah. Like whether Brainwashing you, of, a yeah. Certain, of a sense. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah, it's dead heat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Stephen, as I said, had never defied Parnell even though Parnell had given him free roam. So like as far as Parnell was concerned, if he was going to make an escape for it, he could have many times by now because he's had he free roam. Yeah, he didn't believe that he would, yeah. He didn't, yeah, he, he trusted that. He had him under his he thumb. He had him under he his thumb. He trusted that very, he had him under his that. thumb. Yeah. So he kind of had no reason to be concerned about that. But obviously now that another child was involved and scared, Stephen had to get Timothy away from Parnell and Sorry. back home. Stephen actually wasn't even trying to escape himself. He was just trying to get that child back mm-hmm. home. He probably didn't think he had an option to go home himself. Yeah, because he like thought he, legal custody was yeah. at Parnell. Exactly. So, oh, my foot is stuck. There we go. <laughs> I got stuck to the, the thing that's meant to pull down the mats, but there's no mats. It's just holding you down instead. Yeah, I need to get, um, yeah, I need to get mats. Um, so, yeah, two weeks after the abduction of Timothy White, so on the 1st of March 1980, Parnell went to work at his night security job, obviously leaving Stephen and Timothy at home. Mm-hmm. I suppose trusting Timothy would be fine yep. because Stephen's under the thumb as far as he's concerned. So he's not going to let him get away. And yeah, and like what can a five-year-old away? do exactly. against a 14-year-old? Yeah. Um, so Stephen actually then left the house with Timothy and they hitchhiked to Yukia, or I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but... It's a Yukia, Yukia. Yeah, something like that anyway. 40 miles away. Stop. Um, and I believe at first it said that the kind of, um, Stephen was helping. And remember, Stephen has been going by the name Dennis now for years. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah. They couldn't find Timothy's parents because I think St- Stephen... A.K.A. Dennis was looking for the parents first, 
and then was like, okay, I can't find them. Obviously, it's probably a big area, yeah. especially because like you know, and a small well, town in America compared to a small yeah. town in Ireland is a big difference. Big difference, and as well, usually. Timothy is only five, so it's not like he's going to know exactly how to get to his house. Exactly, he's not going to know his address. Like he's probably not going to know his address off by heart. None like, of that. I've no, I, he definitely he's a baby, known, basically. He definitely you know would have I mean? known his parents' names and things, but nothing of significance to probably get home. Yeah. So Stephen brought him to the police station to get help. Now, obviously, the police spotted Stephen as well and kept both Stephen and Timothy in their custody. Yes. We love to see the police doing their job. Yes, we do. You go, whoever was on duty that night. Well done. And Good job doing your job. Stephen, who had been living his life under the identity of Dennis that mm-hmm. Parnell had given him long ago, would tell police would tell the police everything. And as you can imagine, he initially struggled, but he said to the police, I know my first name is Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um... So, obviously, that revealed his identity as the missing Stephen Stainer. And yep. the next day, on March 2nd, 1980, both boys were reunited with their families and Parnell was arrested. Oh, that must have been so emotional. So, yeah, because, like, Stephen went missing at seven. He's now 14. Yeah. And it's seven years. And especially when he believed his family didn't want him. Yeah. Like, it must have been huge for him when they, like, rocked up to that police station and were so elated to have him back and so elated to see him and to know that he was alive alive I, I don't want to say okay because like he's probably traumatised from yeah. everything he would have been through but like it it must have been a very emotional moment moment and even for the parents of the five year old because like obviously I know that, that wasn't he was missing for two weeks at five but years still, of age but still like you, you, you would be so terrified yeah and like not knowing like I don't have children but not knowing if your child is okay not knowing if your child is alive not knowing where your child is like it must be absolutely fucking terrifying 100% and like even like even in modern day times I was actually only I can't remember who I was talking to yesterday about it but I was talking about like how I was in America and someone was asking me do you know would I go there again like or would be on holidays would I ever live there and I was like I would love to live there I was like the way politics is going at the moment does mildly concern me so if I was to ever move there it would be in a long time once I see how that cookie crumbles kind mm-hmm. of a thing yeah. but also if and I was the cookie. It's crumbling. It's crumbling. But if I was to ever live there, that would be me giving up wanting children. Yeah. I do not want to have children in America. Absolutely not. Whether it's adoption or surrogacy or whatever way I was to have a child, I would not want a child in America. I don't want to be living a life where I send my child to school worrying if they're going to get shot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And even, like, I understand... Like, the worst the... thing here is you send your child to school worrying they're going to get bullied or get the vomiting bug. And no, I'm <laughs> bullying is awful, but at least it's something. not a bullet. But, yeah. But, like, I understand it's necessary... For them to do shooter drills and things with kids, but it just breaks. It shouldn't my heart. be necessary. It shouldn't be necessary, thing. exactly, and it breaks my heart. Gun that, like, control, guys. Breaks, Apologies, yeah. sounds a bit loud. Breaks my heart that like these little like preschoolers, like I could not imagine. Like we do fire drills at work, obviously. Yeah, and even but, I remember in primary school when we had the fire drills. Like obviously we did them in secondary as well. Mm-hmm. But I remember in primary school you'd be like, oh yeah, do you know? Great, getting out of class. Yeah, do you know? And but even like, in secondary you just kind of like, oh. Yeah. But you do it. It's like, okay, but I don't like, have to do my maths. Like, the kids at work, they love doing a fire drill. Yeah. They love doing a fire I drill. I feel like we all love but doing fire drills when we're younger, but like, I could not imagine doing shooter drills, active shooter drills with to- toddlers and preschoolers like like how do you even and how, even how do you going even to have work, a child understand that when they're in the younger ages exactly and even like the thought of going to work every day knowing that you have to be prepared for this possibility yeah, because to, it is a possibility yeah, and the amount of that someone could bust down the door and that you've got to try and keep a whole classroom safe and yourself safe yeah it's terrifying. Like, it's, it's literally terrifying. gone to a stage where it's a line of work where you have to be prepared to give your life. Yeah, and it's not something that 
parents should have to worry about. It's not something that children should children, have to worry parents, about. Children, parents, teachers, it should not it's be a not thing. It's not something that anyone should have. Like, you should not have to worry that sending your child to school, they could die. die. Or become severely injured. Or have... Or even end up, you know, disabled. Paraplegic. From or, exactly that kind of a thing. Yeah. From, yeah, it's Because awful. some fucker is angry and decides, do you know what? I'm going to shoot up a school. Yeah. And the... It, the frequency of it is And obviously, terrifying. even regardless of all that, I know America's a huge place, but obviously kidnappings and stuff like that are more frequent mm-hmm. because I suppose the size of the place, everything's connected, cross state lines, things like that. Um, so there's so many things. But anyway, that, sorry, that's that. I'm just, I'm just Googling one, one thing there, sorry. Ooh, but that's like, yeah, no, scares me. If I was to live there, it would. if I was to ever live in America, uh, I would just want it to be just, you know, living there as a single person or living there in a relationship with no kids. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, sorry, I'm, my internet's been very slow. Are you at uh, three? Yeah. Yeah, then there's a um, down here. So, I know we have had two school shootings. Oh, in Irish history. In Irish yeah, history. I think one or two, I think. Yeah, Definitely like, one at least. One I know was years back, but I've just come across one in fairly recently actually. So in Galway. Um, oh, was the Galway one not the nineteen something one? That's what I thought. But hang on now. Galway school shooting murder. Oh, this wasn't like a mass shooting. Grips Ireland, Ireland as killer boy yeah. last teen expected to kill. So like, um, so we've this... only had one maximum two in our history that I know of. Oh, wait, this is. Sorry, I think this is actually a radio drama. Oh, okay, right. But so I know anyway. there was there was one at least one. In, I think it was in the north. Um, I remember us talking about it before. We might have even mentioned it briefly in an episode yeah, before. Like, to be honest, we've not covered it or anything, but there's probably not enough to cover. Yeah. But um, yeah. So like, it's just scary the way things can be over there. Sorry, hold on. Um. But anyway, oh, sorry, it it loaded. Um, so school shootings are a form of form of gun violence that attack that involves an attack via firearms yeah. and takes place at an what educational institution. Nineteen countries with the most school shootings from two thousand and nine to twenty eighteen. In a nine year span, the United States had two hundred and eighty eight yeah. school shootings. They were followed by Mexico, who had eight. South Africa had six. Nigeria and Pakistan had four, Afghanistan had three, Brazil, Canada and France had two, and then Azerbaijan, China, Estonia, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Kenya, Russia and Turkey had one. one. But yeah, anyway, that is that. Yeah, that sorry about that, got it sidetracked. So, um, yes, so obviously like I said, revealed his identity, um, next day boys reunited with families, Parnell was arrested, thank God. Um, Parnell was tried in 1981 for both kidnappings. He was found guilty and sentenced to seven years. He made parole after five years. Sorry, what? As if seven was enough anyway, but anyway, made parole after five years. For keeping a young boy hostage for seven years. He did seven years, that's... Kidnapping another young boy, sexually abusing... Now, however, due to jurisdictional issues in relation to that, what you were about to say, the sexual abuse and stuff, and due to statutes of limitation, Parnell was never charged with sexually abusing Stephen, despite the allegations being deemed authentic. Are you fucking joking? Now, as I said this as well, the statutes of limitation never fails to piss me off, because I swear, what is the point in them, especially in cases like this one? It's disgraceful. All it does is benefit the perpetrator. Yeah. All it does... 
it does is no allow someone who has terrified their victim into silence or who has managed to, to get keep off it quiet for so long to get away with it because too much time has passed. Yeah. No, sorry. No, absolutely fucking I not. I don't get it. Like, like, okay, fair enough if you had statutes and limitations in terms of like, fucking, I don't know. Like, non, I, non-violently robbing like a I shop. I stole do you a know calculator what I mean? from a yeah. shop when I was seven. Or I fucking robbed a fucking, do you know, if someone robbed a gas station, like, without harming anyone and without a gun like they just did it yeah. like and managed to like intimidate the person without yeah. weapons somehow fair enough on things like that even on that I don't think there really should be. okay maybe there should be I suppose sorry like, you've just reminded me of a really funny but TikTok. like in terms of serious cases like murders sexual assaults anything involving children mm-hmm. things like that, that I don't I don't see why it's there it shouldn't yeah, exist get rid for of that it. get rid of it it should only list, it should only exist for like petty crimes immediately um, um, sorry, but, you yeah. just reminded me. I saw a TikTok recently, um, and it was um, basically someone sent in a story to these two TikTokers. And Is it on topic before we end up on another tangent? It does relate to a burglar, a burglar of a. Of okay, a gas well, I'll finish off first and okay. see how we are for time. Um, so, yeah, um, then obviously Murphy for his role in the kidnapping of Steve and Randall for his role in the kidnapping of Timothy were both convicted on lesser charges. Um, and Stephen himself believed that Murphy was as much of a victim as Pernell, of Pernell as he and Timothy was, mm-hmm. were even, was. Okay. Um, that Pernell had manipulated him just as much. So even Stephen believed that Murphy was obviously a vulnerable person yeah. and that was taken advantage of yeah. to use him Which for his bidding. Which says a lot. Um, so if even the main victim from, yeah. of it is able to see that. Like, I think um, in certain cases, um, Stephen actually referred to Murphy as Uncle Murphy. Okay. Because I think, obviously, Murphy was not abusing him. Yeah, he Do you was, know, Murphy was just, was just there. there. Um, so, then, obviously, Stephen was reunited with his family and it was mixed results. Do you know, he'd become a national hero in the media, but was obviously still suffering from the trauma of, of everything course. he had been through. Because, obviously, do you know, he escaped his captor to save Timothy. Yeah. Um... So Stephen began to medicate his trauma by abusing alcohol and eventually he dropped out of school. Uh, things got so bad that he was kicked out of his parents' house. Um, there were some sources that said he was that partially, as well, part of dropping out of school was due to being bullied Aww. because he hadn't been true enough. Fucking kids yeah, are awful honestly. sometimes. Um, Raise your kids to be respectful, please. Thanks. Very that. Um, please and thanks. So Stephen met Jodie Edmondson and they got married in 1985 and they went on to have two children together. Um, in early 1989, Stephen helped in the production of a mini-series about his life called I Know My First Name Is Stephen, which initially aired on NBC in May of that year, so 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Eccles, who wrote the manuscript for the series, would later publish a book with the same title in 1991. And that book, or at least the Kindle version, is actually one of the resources I used for this case. Okay. If you want to check it out, there's a shitload in it that I didn't even use because otherwise this would be an audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, not a podcast episode, but it was really good. And I'm not sure how much it is in America, but the Kindle version was like less than five euros. Uh, um, it was like £4.20 or something like that. That's quite good. So it was grand. I was like, hmm, I'll buy that. Um, so yeah, that's one of the resources I used for this case, the book. Um, so Stephen was living in Merced and working at a pizza parlour and he had used some of the money he was paid for the movie rights to his story to buy a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. On the 16th of September 1989, Stephen was driving home on his motorcycle when a car crashed into him and fled the scene, oh. leaving Stephen dead from wounds he'd sustained to his head. That is awful. Yeah, um, so 
he was still young, like he was only yeah. in his twenties. Um, Stephen would be buried in Merced District Cemetery beside his grandparents after his funeral, which was attended by 450 people. And one of the pallbearers was then 14-year-old Timothy White. That's so sad. Yeah, I know. That I nearly cried when so I read that. Sad, I was like... Um, that is just... So, in then kind of a bit of like aftermath. In 1999, there was a proposal to name a park after Stephen, but this was rejected as officials were concerned that Stainer Park would be associated more with his brother Carey Stainer than it would be Stephen and Carey who is who I'll be covering next so you will clearly see then why they didn't want a park associated mm-hmm. with him um, in regards to Parnell he was convicted again in 2004 as he had tried to get his caretaker to buy a four year old boy for him are you fucking serious and like bear in mind I think he was around 72 at this point so man is in his 70s yeah he's got a caretaker and he just turns around to the caretaker and is like, come here, come here, come here. I need, I need was... to do something to me. Will you buy me a four-year-old boy? He was 72, yeah. Buy me a four-year-old boy. And obviously the caretaker, knowing his history, reported it to the authorities straight away. Well, I mean, I would hope that even without knowing his history, you <laughs> yeah. report him to the fucking True. authorities. True. But I feel like knowing his history, you'd be even more of a rush to get yeah. to that police station. Sorry, someone's having a rave. A little rave. A little rock session. But anywho, I'm... So, yeah, and then Parnell was sentenced to life under the three strikes law. Do you know what that is? I'm going to say it anyway, just because in case yeah, I don't know didn't. what it is. Three strikes law is basically... Three strikes and you're out. It basically, essentially, it three basically means you can give someone... It basically means for, like, offences, I suppose, more serious offences, if someone has a history of, of, has already got, let's say, two charges or two convictions, and those two kidnapping charges were done as separate trials, separate cases, yeah. so that counted as two charges. Yeah. Um, so then this would be his third charge so it's his third strike meaning no matter the severity of that third strike he can get a life sentence so um, he was he was given a life sentence 20, 25 to life or whatever under the three strikes law mm-hmm. Parnell died in 2008 at 76 year old, six years oh my god why why am I like this Parnell died in 2008 at 76 years old of natural causes in a state prison hospital. Good riddance. Hope he suffered. Yeah, honestly. Uh, Timothy White, who had gone on to become a Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department deputy. Oh! Sadly died due to a pulmonary embolism in 2010 at 35 years old. There's just tragedy all around. This is awful. Later in 2010, a statue of Stephen and Timothy was built in Applegate Park in Merced. California as well obviously mm-hmm. um, and I'll, I, I've put a photo of that in the social media post so you can see it there now what fucking pissed me off is the plaque off of that statue was stolen at some stage are you fucking serious what is it with people like vandalising so defacing, defacing and yeah. vandalising memorials and like and do something like better that. with like, your life have you really nothing better to do with your time do you know what I mean um, so like I said I'll put a photo of the statue in the social media posts on Instagram and Facebook and yeah, that is the story of Stephen Stainer from kidnap to escape to tragic fate, I suppose. That is just... And obviously, as I said a while ago, as with most cases, there's loads out there about it and there's loads that I haven't mentioned. But if I was to cover every single detail, like I said, I'd have to make it an audiobook, not not a podcast it's, episode. It's just the fact that like he barely got to live his life. Yeah, literally like... And even, like, yeah, it's just, it's so sad. Um, And then, obviously, as if this family had not been true enough, the next episode I cover, or if it's a bit short, it'll just be a bonus episode that'll go up today as well. 
but um, you'll know that going by the social media posts, whether it's a short bonus episode going up the same day or whether, and if I don't say it in the social media post, that means it's a full episode that will go up one of the Mondays following. Um, so, yeah. Um, that one is the case of Stephen's older brother, Kerry Stainer, and Kerry actually went on to become the Yosemite killer who murdered at least four women. Yeah. So that family went through it um, in different yeah, different in, ways. In um, many different ways. Like. So, yeah, that is, that is that. So thanks for listening, guys. I hope you're not too depressed after that. I'm depressed after that. Yeah, I am depressed... Full stop. Full <laughs> stop. Um, I'm opening the door. I can't breathe. But yeah, with that, that is the end of that. Thanks, Thanks for once listening. again for listening and tune in again next week. Maybe later today if it is a bonus episode and not a full one. But either way, tune in. Tune in both times if, if it's both. And, and thank you again. We love you all. Love and light. Have a good one. Mind yourselves. Stay safe. Bye. And ciao. Bye.